Welcome to the podcast station where we share exciting stories, interesting facts, lots of laughter, and lots of hope as we talk about caring for our human bodies in the 21st century. We have one ultimate goal, and that is to help you develop a newfound perspective and sense of appreciation for the incredible human body that you're living in. If you would like to join us for more educational courses or professional certifications, see us online at www.holistichealtheducators.com. Great to have you with us. Hello, everyone. We have Amy and Karen here today, and uh, we are talking about pH. Um, this is something that a lot of people in the holistic healthcare field have been talking about for decades. And, you know, like most things in holistic health, a few decades later, it starts getting picked up by clinical researchers and marketers. And all of a sudden there's alkaline water bottles and, or alkaline water. And, and there's actually been a lot more research done over the past 10 years and, and 20 years, but especially the last 10 years on, on, uh, the whole acid-base hypothesis, which has been amazing to, to see the research on that. And so we're excited to do this call today as just an overview of explaining, first of all, what is what does pH mean and how does the pH of different parts of our body vary? They, they should vary. So we're not trying to get like an entire 100% alkaline body. That wouldn't be good for us. So we're going to first start off by reviewing pH in the body, and then we're going to get into um, some of the best ways to uh, improve to help our bodies support a healthy balance in pH, uh, as well as some of like the biggest misconceptions out there about this whole hypothesis. And then we'll end with how to keep our bones healthy and our teeth healthy, because um, that we'll get into it when we start evaluating the, some of the criticisms of the alkaline diet. But there's definitely things you can do to include the best of both worlds, to include a highly alkalizing diet, and then also maintain um, bone health with like high fat um, with, with healthy fats that carry fat-soluble minerals into your body and so forth. So that's an overview of what we'll be going over today. So if you want to get us started, Karen, you love talking about this topic. I do. Well, I love it because you know what, as a mom raising all these kids, I'm like, how am I going to know the health markers? Like what are the health markers I can test? And it's really easy to test your pH, what gives you a very clear view of what's going on in the body. And it's really easy to touch the pH of your stomach by doing a baking soda test in the morning. So you can see if you need hydrochloric acid or not, like there's so many tests and things you can do at home. And this was one that we would have pH Wednesday. Oh yeah. So like Wednesday morning, kids could urinate on a pH strip and be like, I'm a 6.9, I'm a 7.2, I'm a four, right? And I'd be like, okay, jot it down. And, and then we kind of knew, okay, Amy's got to eat some more greens this week or whatever it might've been. It was just an easy way to look at the body and to look at if we have enough minerals. And so we, we hear pH, and it's, um, and it's the power of hydrogen, not just the potential of hydrogen, it's the power of hydrogen. And this dates back many, many, many years, centuries, because they would literally be able to take the ash of food, even of people who had died if they were cremated, and test it. And they used to actually do this about the monks jeepers me, I don't understand it, but they would actually take the ash um, after they were cremated and test it to make sure that they had lived worthy to them, to their diet protocol and maintained a high pH. Like, isn't that bizarre? But right now we know that we can take a food, blend it in a blender, and we can test the pH of it. We can test the pH of anything that way. However, 
it has to go through digestion. So understanding pH is not as simple as, oh, that lemon, that tests acidic. No, actually lemons are extremely alkalizing once they go through digestion. And so we're going to talk about pH and we're really going to focus on the pH after digestion, why, which is why it is useless and actually very counterproductive to ever, ever, ever drink alkalizing water. It is, that is a, in my personal opinion, that is a huge, huge issue because our stomach is supposed to be acidic. The last place you put alkaline water is into your stomach, right? That's just, it, plus it touches the tongue and turns to the acidity of the tongue. That's just proven. But it's just something to consider is like, oh, you hear pH and then you just grab everything pH. And like Amy said, you don't want the whole body pH. And the stomach is one thing you do not want with a high pH. So I'm super glad we're doing this, Amy. Yeah, totally. So um, that's one thing I'm happy you nailed right off the beginning is just that the pH of substances change after they've been metabolized. And so um, like she mentioned, like lemons are very acidic outside the body, but they end up having a very alkalizing effect on the body. Um, and then some foods that are very basic outside the body are very um, alkaline, basic and alkaline mean the same thing. Um, they may have an acidic effect on acidifying effect on the body. So that's the first thing to cover there. Um, I do want to mention really quick, the the pH of your blood, and many of you may already know this, has to stay between 7.35 and 7.45. So it's not going to change from that between 7.35 and 7.45. It's your body's number one priority. If it's going to maintain the pH of something, it's keeping your bloodstream in that range. And so your body has a lot of different buffer systems for if that starts getting out of whack. Um, the most natural buffer system is your breath. So um, carbon dioxide has an acidifying effect. And so and when your body wants to keep, um, your body will regulate how much you're breathing, how deeply you're breathing in order to help maintain um, the pH of your bloodstream by controlling what gases are in your bloodstream. The second thing it does is your kidneys. So uh, your kidneys can release different materials. It can release both basic and acidic materials to help buffer the pH of your blood. That can take up to a couple of days to really kick in. And so um, the breath is the most, is the fastest way. Um, and then the other thing that it, that happens is it works with your bones. Your bones are like living, breathing organs, basically. Like they're not technically an organ, but they do, they're constantly changing. It's not like you're just like born with bones and then they're just like hard rocks the rest of your life. Like they are being broken up and broken down. So built up and broken down and built up and broken down by osteoblasts, like all the time. And so your body also uses minerals from your bones to help um, buffer your bloodstream. And so if we eat a food or a diet that's like highly acidifying. And one thing I'm just going to throw off right off the bat is just how our diets have changed over the years. If you don't mind me getting into this, Karen, um, 200 years ago before industrialization, our potassium sodium ratio was at 10 to one. So we would have 10 units of potassium for every one unit of sodium. And now it's one, now it's one to three. Now we have one unit of potassium for every three units of sodium. So that's like totally swapped around. And potassium is an extremely alkalizing material. Same thing with chloride and bicarbonate. Um, we need more, the bicarbonate is very alkalizing. Um, you may have heard of sodium bicarbonate or baking soda, very alkalizing. And uh, now we eat a lot more chloride than bicarbonate. And so our diets have just shifted. And so now that, you know, if we eat a diet that's higher in acid forming compounds, such as processed foods, um, you know, highly processed dairy products, highly processed meats, and I'm not a meat and dairy hater. It just comes down to how it's processed, um, you know, and then especially the grains and the sugars, 
if you are eating, the, if someone's eating these foods or if I'm eating these foods and it's producing all these acidic compounds, my body will need to compensate for that by pulling minerals out of other areas in my body to compensate, to buffer that pH. Because if that, if that food went straight into my bloodstream unbuffered, it would have a very acidifying effect. And that could be, that could be lethal to me. And so our, my body is then going to have to buffer, uh, you know, the effects of eating those acidifying foods and pull uh, more minerals into the bloodstream. And so this is one of the biggest premises of the pH um, philosophy is just consuming the minerals and the healthy foods so that we can naturally replenish our, our uh, basic compounds in our bodies, our, our alkaline balance, instead of needing to rely on our body's buffer system 24 seven. Well, and I just want to jump in there for a quick minute before you get back into that, Amy, with osteoporosis, because I, I've taught about osteoporosis forever, and there are some main things that happen in people's bodies when they start losing bone mass, and one of them is an acidic diet, and then obviously less the lack of exercise, and et cetera, et cetera, but when we eat a really acidic diet, and the body needs when it needs minerals, it is going to pull them out of the bones. And what happens to your bones? They get holes in them. You, if you've ever seen osteoporosis, it is a Swiss cheese looking bone, period. It's amazing to look at osteoporosis. Look up, you know, go Google some images, but it's found, where did the bone go? Well, you peed it down the toilet. Like <laughs> you really like you had to use your bone to keep your blood at 7.365 because you have to have that many minerals available in the blood at all times. Remember what the blood is doing. It's feeding all the cells, all the minerals and the cofactors and coenzymes. And so if we don't have enough minerals to be sparking the activity, remembers minerals are the sparks of life. Those minerals that are spark, 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 sparking, sparking activity in the body. Well, then we lose our bone mass. And so one of the easiest things to do to re um, solidify the bones and to increase bone masses, use herbs. This is not hard. There are phenomenal horsetail and nettle and, you know, oat, claw, oat straw and so many amazing herbs that are so high in the minerals that build your bones. And so when you use herbal tinctures and you use herbs, you can take baths in them. You can rebuild bones from very, very brittle, frail old woman, you know, in nine months, she can have bone mass. And this has been proven as thick and strong as some 20 year old um, by just regenerating the bones through diet. So just wanted to throw it out there because I've worked with so many women who have terrible arthritis and terrible osteoporosis. And I'm, I'm like, well, don't worry because your bones are alive. This is the greatest thing. You know, your bones are alive and what do they want to do? Become strong and keep you alive. And so don't ever think in your mind, oh, I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm 70. Everything's going downhill. Are you kidding? You might make less enzymes, but who cares? You can eat them and all the food you eat. So again, just wanted to throw that out there, Amy, because osteoporosis is extremely misunderstood and there's so much money. And please know, so on the bottom of my, P, and this is a free download from our website, uh, is a book on pH. And this is the pH chart. So you can look at the foods that are high in pH and then the foods that are lower in pH. At the bottom, I have other things that cause acidity in the body. Pharmaceutical drugs are at the top of the list. There's not a single pharmaceutical that will alkalize your body. Every single pharmaceutical acidifies the body, every one of them. And so the more pharmaceuticals you take, the more you need to realize, ooh, I need to eat more sauerkraut. I need to eat more salads. I need more living food and food that has more mineral content because you're definitely not going to get minerals in, um, in your in your pharmaceuticals. I just want to throw that out there, Amy, quick. Yes, I love that. And Karen, I'm like... 
I'm just like so optimistic about the future of my health that I'm still in my 20s. So I just love the way you talk about it because it just gives anyone hope that our bodies are living, breathing organisms that are capable of regeneration at any point along our physiological lifespan. So that's amazing. Um, what that brought to mind one clinical study I read in preparation for this showed that uh, staying on a highly acid forming diet um, without doing anything to like buffer that, like we're talking about with improving parts of our nutrition, it will deplete 50% of someone's bone mass over the span of 20 years, 50% of their bone mass, 20 years on a highly acid forming diet. And so that's why um, doing things to prevent that effect is so huge. Um, the other thing you mentioned that I wanted to throw out is um, when, um, Part, I know there's controversy about the Western price diet, but one study that was really cool about what he did is he noticed that the people um, who had the better teeth and bones had four times more water soluble vitamins in their diet and 10 times more fat soluble vitamins in their diet than we have. So this is totally in line. Electrolytes and minerals and like alkaline forming substances are the same. Okay. So keep that in your head. Like when we talk about minerals, those are your electrolytes and those are also alkaline forming substances. And so when we're talking about getting your vitamins and minerals in, um, this isn't just focusing on your vegetables and your green powders. It's also making sure you're eating them in a form that is uh, digestible by your body and fat soluble vitamins and minerals need fats to get into your body. And so this can mean like um, if you're steaming your vegetables, um, have that with coconut oil or some grass-fed butter or some ghee um, or a really high quality olive oil. Just like do anything as long as your gallbladder can handle it. Um, you know, upping those healthy fats to help deliver the fat-soluble minerals. And, and definitely some a lot of that can be found um, in high quality or well-sourced animal products as well. Um, so it just really comes down to sourcing when it comes to comes to your animal products like bone broths and, and grass-fed butters and ethically sourced meats can also help with that whole process. Awesome. Okay. So Karen, what do you feel are like some of the biggest misconceptions about pH out there? Uh, well, oh, well, uh, misconceptions. I don't, I think people don't even know about it. And I think that's, and you guys literally, when I say test your pH, you can go get 14, you can get a hundred pH strips for 14 bucks at an L2 store. I do recommend getting the pH strips that have a double, um, a double testing. It's better. It's more accurate than a litmus strips, but I don't care whatever you can afford. And you would literally urinate on those in the morning, uh, when you wake up and you can do it throughout the day and you can also test your saliva. And, uh, it's, it's because you're going to, you, what happens is because you want to make sure that the kidneys are filtering appropriately and that your blood has enough minerals. So you want to test the urine, everything coming out of the body to see where the acid level is. And you want to test the saliva, but you can't test after you eat an organic apple because you're going to have all these minerals right, right there. Right. So you wait about an hour after you're done eating hour and a half and you, and you just simply test your saliva. You spit on a little strip. When you wake up in the morning, you, you urinate on a strip and you'll see where your levels are. And again, there's a free download, Debbie, if you don't mind throwing that um, or Tammy into the chat box. You guys can uh, click on that. You'll be able to download a free ebook that does explain quite a bit about uh, potential of hydrogen. Um, I am not a meat eater um, because you don't need to eat meat. You can get proteins or amino acids. They come from plants. And so it doesn't matter if you eat meats or not, but just understanding that sourcing is going to be a very valuable thing. And Amy, on that, 
Because obviously in order to break down any oil, we need to have bile coming from our gallbladder. If we don't have a gallbladder, all those of you who've had a gallbladder removed and you weren't told to get onto ox bile or some kind of good cell salt or a good herbal blend, you need something to, to digest and break down fats or you won't be able to store your fat soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K. So making sure that you go to the health food store or you order some really th good things from reputable sources, I'm, I need to mention that there are some very popular sites that can ship directly to your door immediately within two days. We don't recommend a lot of supplements from those sites because they aren't, the integrity isn't always there. They've been study after study. There's a lot of things coming out that those aren't actually the real products you're ordering. So please be more specific when, and more careful when you're ordering products. But if you go to a, a good holistic site and a good doctor and you're ordering ox bile and you're ordering, you know, liver and gallbladder formulas, you're going to need that the rest of your life. Even enzymes for fat and proteins that will help you at least break down the avocado and the meat that you're eating so that those vitamins that are fat soluble actually can be absorbed into the body. Amy, we really need to jump into the P because a lot of people think alkaline, alkaline. When I started teaching this, which was back in 2008, right? Um, it was very new. Most people weren't aware of things like this. There was a, a company, you know, 7.2 pH that was out there, I think by that time, but a lot of people didn't realize what's going on in the stomach. So we need to address the four areas of the body that are acidic because there's only, there's only really four areas that are acidic. Did you want to do that or don't me to do that? Oh, either way, I'm just so happy we're getting to this part. I am too. Okay. So we have, our mouth is acidic, period. It has to be like, you know, our mouth is, it's going to be alkaline. Sorry. The stomach is what I'm talking about. The stomach has to be acidic and that stomach is acidic for a number of reasons. Um, number one, we need to kill bacteria and parasites and viruses and all the junk that's coming in on our food. We're chewing our food. And when we chew our food, we're, we're signaling, we're sending thousands of, of nerve, um, nervous, uh, system, uh, signals to release different enzymes, depending on what you're chewing. That's why you, it's that's why food combination is so important. You never eat a protein and a starch together because you can't break that down as well as if you eat your proteins, you know, separately. And so when you're chewing your food and you're stimulating a response, it's going to know if it's supposed to release bile so it can help escort the fat soluble vitamins, you know, across the border in the digestive system. But likewise, the stomach knows how acidic it should be. So a stomach is going to become very acidic the more acid fooding you're eating because it's got to break all that down and it's going to take a little bit longer as it churns into chyme. So, um, and I'm just going to talk on stomach for a minute and then Amy can take the next part that's acidic. And so that stomach needs to maintain a pH that's very low. Um, it, remember on the stomach, everyone, you have the, so if the food comes down your esophagus, it stops right here at the lower esophageal sphincter and that's got to open. And then the food comes into the stomach when there's enough acid in this chyme, it's going to trigger the floric sphincter, pyloric sphincter, and then it's going to open and the food will continue through the digestive system. Acid reflux is when there's not enough acid in the stomach. That's a huge misconception when it comes to acid. The stomach must be acidic and taking tum-tums and all the junk they sell out there, <gasps> that's horrid. You're never going to, you're, you're never going to repair. Um, and, 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 uh, and you can, you can completely repair the stomach acidity and make the valves work properly, but not by taking an antiacid, rather by taking apple cider vinegar, right? Um, eating more almonds, eating salmon, any way you can increase the hydrochloric acid. So that stomach is a key, key thing. And that's why I'm so 
so adamant about making sure that we, we don't alkalize the stomach because then it can't do what it's supposed to do. And your water, again, will change as soon as it touches the tongue acidity-wise. Acidity wise. And so I do tell you, though, if you've already spent $5,000 on a Keegan water thing or you have some pH water, hey, you're probably drinking more water than you ever were. So good because that's going to heal everybody. You know, so it's like, it's okay. Don't worry. At least you're drinking more water. And that's the most important thing. Um, but that stomach acid being acidic is, is, is crucial crucial for the rest of your health. And then sodium by what happens when that, that acid that's 1.7 to 2.3, when that acid comes into the duodenum, what's there to meet it? Hey, you've been chewing your food. So the pancreas is squirting sodium bicarbonate squirt, 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 to alkalize that because it's so acidic. And when I test clients, I find that sometimes any, they'll point right to their duodenum, right to their pyloric sphincter. They're pointing to it. It hurts really bad right here. And I'm like, oh, well, this is the hydrochloric acid and sodium bicarbonate issue because they're pointing to right where it hurts. It also can be where the bile's entering. All that happens within a few inches, right? And so I just think acid right there is super important. If we don't have enough acid in the stomach, it can literally set all of the, you know, a lot of things uh, well, not to go well. Yeah. And not, and not to mention that if we don't have a highly acidic stomach producing highly acidic chyme, that's going to trigger less of a response of the pancreas to produce more sodium bicarbonate. So mm. it's actually an interesting paradox. The more acidic your stomach is, the more alkalizing of an effect you're going to experience in your duodenum and the rest of your intestine. Because if think about it, if something's like really acidic, you're like, oh, I need a lot of sodium bicarbonate to neutralize that. And so it ends up having a very alkalizing effect on the body, which is like really counterintuitive. We wouldn't think like, oh, a more acidic stomach is going to give me a more alkaline body, but it just triggers a bigger reaction from your bot, from the bile and from sodium bicarbonate, which both alkalize it after the stomach. So yeah, I love that you mentioned that. And along, so for anyone taking notes, there's, there's two main things that having a highly acidic stomach are going to be doing. One is it's going to be, like she mentioned, killing off pathogens that you don't want, parasites, bacteria, and viruses. And the second thing is it's going to be aiding in digestion and aiding in breaking things apart. So it, like Karen mentioned, if the stomach isn't acidic enough, our problems are going to be more pathogens in our digestive tracts and that our immune system are going to have to deal with. And also um, worse absorption of foods, especially our proteins, because proteins start getting digested in your stomach um, with the pepsin. And so um, just someone who's dealing with like a lot of malabsorption issues, it can start in the stomach. Absolutely. Not necessarily in the small intestines. So that's one thing. So a couple of those principles, at least the first principle of having, um, acid there to ward off unwanted pathogens, that is exactly, um, consistent with the next two areas I'll talk about really quick is just your skin, believe it or not, has a slightly acidic pH, about 6.5. So it's not super acidic, but it does like to keep a slightly acidic pH just to help ward off some of those pathogens. And um, for anyone out here who's like a big lover of the microbiome, um, all I've... I love hearing from micro, microbiome specialists who actually focus more on the skin than the gut because they're like, we need to stop washing our bodies every day. They're like, stop washing off the bacteria, stop neutralizing all, all the acid. Like we have this amazing immune system on our skin. And this is really something I've only learned about in the past few years. And so um, I didn't, I mean, we, we instinctively want to like go play in the dirt and diversify our microbiome. Um, but I never really thought about like, oh man, I guess I don't want to wash that off every single day. So so um, having the skin, be, it will be slightly acidic. And then 
also the vaginal canal for women will be acidic. And so if anyone's dealing with that, that acid, that acidic environment, actually there are some bacteria um, that need the vagina to be more acidic so that they can be there and help maintain a balance um, and help ward off candida. And um, along with that, they just help just keep keep things healthy down there. So in terms of helping uh, reestablish a healthier pH for that area of the body, um, not washing with soap and especially not uh, douching is really important for that area. So um, it self-regulates, it self-cleans. And so we don't need to be throwing off the pH with all these like fancy soaps and everything. Um, and douches. Did you yes. mention that? Okay, yes. good. make sure yeah, we don't no, do that. No to yeah. the douching, yes. And then um, also probiotics can really help. Um, so granted, you don't, you aren't like experiencing like um, SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, um, or have really bad reactions. Uh, diversifying your microbiome can really help with like some good probiotics and sauerkrauts, things like that. And then um, also just uh, physical activity is really helpful too, uh, just for improving like blood flow and helping self-managed pH of the whole body. There are so many chemical reactions. You know how I was talking about gases and then I'll hand it back to you, Karen, and we'll wrap it up. But um, one thing that I love studying in exercise physiology is how much the gas exchange that happens while we're exercising affects the body and, and from your pH to um, your weight loss to everything. It's the exhaling of carbon dioxide that is so essential for us um, exhaling. And so we exhale on average about 11,000 liters a day. Um, but if you are athletic or you're exercising, you may exhale over 5,000 liters in an hour compared to 11,000 liters in a day. So if you're looking to like speed up any of the physiological reactions happening in your body um, with gaseous exchange, they're definitely getting that heart rate up is going to help a lot because there's so much gaseous exchange that happens and so many anabolic and catabolic activities, uh, reactions that happen when you exercise that can really help restore the chemical balance throughout the whole body. So anyway, I just want to mention that. And then you can um, end with the colon if you want to, Karen. Yeah. And stress. I need to mention that you might be having a great diet, but you're under a lot of stress. And I'm telling you, stress makes you very acidic. I don't care if you have a perfect diet, if you are stressed out, if you're angry, if you have just a lot of frustration, right? You're going to be very acidic and exercising helps you. That's one of the best things you can do, Amy. So I'm so glad you mentioned that because even if you're really stressed and you're really angry, if, if you at least can get exercise, exercising, you're able to start alkalizing a little bit easier. That breath is huge. And yes, well, the fourth area of the bite. Oh. No, I mean, if, you, if you're bringing up stress right now, we're bringing up stress. And I was going to say that's <laughs> yeah. going to be, that's going to come down to emotional health. And uh, I've definitely, I mean, I have felt that. Have you guys ever felt that where you're like doing your normal healthy thing? And then all of a sudden something emotional just like shoots through you like a lightning bolt and you feel it like your whole body flipped a switch. And then all of a sudden I'm going to get a little scratchy, scratchy in my throat. Or if it's heartbreak related, I'm going to start getting a cold sore on my heart chakra, no like area. And so it's like, oh, like you, it just switches a flip in you so fast. These emotional instances, last story I'll mention about this, Karen, but I, one lady was just sharing her experience because she was testing her pH like every day um, with, uh, um, you know, with her pH test strips every day. And then all of a sudden she had a random dip and she had been consistent with her diet and her nutrition and everything. And she just looked back and she's like, oh, that's exactly two days after I had my big emotional event. And so um, there are very physiological things that happen in the body. Um, and that is so important. So if you- okay. 
Yes. I got to share a story, Amy. I don't remember this one. I was in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and I had spoken in Waukesha, Wisconsin, like in 2012. And we had a great presentation, a lot about PAH. And then I came back and spoke a year later. And this woman came up, she's like, Karen, I don't know. The pH drips I bought were bad. Every single time I tested, it was like a 5.5. And I'm like, uh, like, well, what did you do with the diet? You know? And she's like, well, nothing. They just didn't work. And I thought, okay. So if you, if you get the same thing happening and your pH isn't changing, it might be because you need to make a few more changes in the diet. I'm sorry, I didn't giggle, Amy. I just thought that was funny. (laughs) I used the whole thing and none of them worked. And I was like, well, I will say they can become outdated so if you have an old batch in your closet because i pulled some out the other day i was like i might as well go ahead and check and they were all like so low i was starting so worried and i was like i'm gonna go test like uh, i'm gonna go test some water or like sodium bicarbonate and it was like four so i was like these things are old so they do expire they do expire karen we have like two more bullet points that we got to squeeze in here okay um before we wrap up do you have anything you want to mention the the colon is acidic and that's a good thing because you don't want to keep everything in there and so the colon is acidic for a number of reasons um the bacteria that lives in the colon is different than bacteria throughout the rest of the body and so the colon does need to also be acidic you don't have to test it that would be weird amy we can talk about the other bullet points that's fine well and also that's where a lot of your minerals are absorbed during in the colon is where your minerals are getting sucked out of your body. So it's naturally going to be lower pH because those minerals are getting sucked out to be used by your body. So yay. Okay. So real quick while we're on this topic, um, what are some of the best and most affordable things we can do to support the body's pH balance? So we already covered breathing, which is an amazing one. Oxygen in, carbon dioxide out. That is like the most basic equation of pH balance that we could possibly have. So breathing is the number one. And then like Karen mentioned, minerals and vitamins, um, they're just not in our soil in as much quantities as they used to be. And there are so many food sources of these. So if you don't have our vitamin and mineral chart, you can download that and look those up. And then um, and so there's going to have a tons of plant sources of those vitamins and minerals and some animal sources of those vitamins and minerals. So just doing whatever we can to increase that level, especially the, um, uh, magnesium and potassium. There's great humic and fulvic acids, um, that you can take as well for supplementation, but just any way to get those in the body and then, um, high quality, um, protein is also going to actually help with things. And so I just wanted to mention the one thing related to that is what does clinical research say about the acid-based hypothesis? There are a lot of, there's been a lot of research out here and almost every paper starts with like, there is a wide variety of conflicting evidence on this topic. And that never surprises me because they're always, you can't look at someone's um, entire diet by um, like, oh, are they a meat eater or a not meat eater? Because you can have a meat eater who's ethically sourcing their meats and then another meat eater who's eating like sausages and hamburgers and, um, and bratwurst every weekend and that's their meat source or you can look at a plant-based eater that's eating spirulina and having like avocado and olive oil and all these healthy fats in their salads and in their um in their plant-based diet and then you can have another plant-based eater who's just just high in grains and doesn't really try to incorporate those superfoods to make up for the lack of protein and um doesn't you know not not doing a lot to consciously cover their bases when it comes to protein, vitamin, and mineral consumption. And so for me, it's like all about where you source your food from. So that's why I'm never surprised when the, when the evidence is conflicting because they're not categorizing the subjects by where their food's coming from. They're just categorizing it by who follows what diet type. And I think we all know that there's as much variety within a single diet type as the differences between diets themselves. Um, but the one thing that is, um, there were a few things that were conclusive. One, <laughs> 
<laughs> sorry. Um, one is that alkalizing foods like those high mineral leafy greens do have positive uh, ink out positive effects on your health in the long run. So that alkalizing foods are very good to you. But the one misconception that appears a lot of researchers want to break up is like, don't assume that all acid forming foods are bad for you because you need some acid forming foods and some like fish might be acid forming or um, some of these high fat dairy products or blueberries. There may be acid forming foods out there and it doesn't mean we need to avoid them. It just means we need to buffer for them. We need to eat the minerals to compensate for it. So it doesn't mean just like take out um, all the foods that could possibly form acid, still keep them in your diet if they're part of your healthy protocol, but just consume the minerals to buffer for it. So that's all I got, Karen. Well, and they do say study after study for, for forever, 80% alkaline, 20% acidic. That's just, I mean, I'm, I have blueberries every day and they're kind of on the low acid range, right? And so when you download our chart, you'll see the high alkaline, medium alkaline, low alkaline, and then the low acidic, acidic, and most acidic. So you'll be able to read those and be able to go, okay, so this is how much I want to eat from here. And this is where I'm going to focus on raising that pH. And uh, I'll tell you, it works. It works. It works amazingly. You'll definitely feel the difference of eating those healthier foods. So high alkaline foods. Awesome. Okay. How's Great. that? Well, I think we just covered a lot here. So that was amazing. Um, so the, just to wrap up five, this was the very last thing on our call today, the five tips for better teeth and bone health. I just want to mention, just review this is mineral consumption and, and then healthy fats to make sure that those fat soluble vitamins and minerals have a great carrier for them. And then vitamin D. Vitamin D is huge. It plays a big role in your osteoblasts and in whether your bones are being constructed or destructed. And so you want to make sure you're good with the vitamin D. And the fourth thing is going to be exercise. And so um, exercise not only is like the pressure on your bones actually good to help them build, um, but actually also the hormones and neurotransmitters that are released um, during exercise can also act can also help. It's interesting, cortisol, like you need some of it, you just don't need it all the time. And so that's really interesting how that hormone works is like, you, you need some, but just not 24 seven in the blood. And then the fifth thing is uh, stress and emotional health regulation. Um, so making sure that the, uh, oh, whatever your favorite form of therapy is, um, or, and or self care, that we are taking care of ourselves emotionally, just because um, there are a lot of studies on um, correlations between uh, elevated levels of stress and decreased bone density. So that's just the last thing on healthy teeth and bones. Um, I do want to mention one thing real quick. Number one, you can go to our main website, holistichealtheducators.com, and we have quick links. And under quick links is understanding your pH. For those who are live, that link is not working. I don't know why. So we'll get it fixed in the next few minutes. All those of you who are hearing this podcast, it works all the time except for today. Anyhow, so we will get that up for you. And um, I do want to put out there, Amy, please do not drink electrolyte drinks. Okay. That is just crap minerals. Those are not helpful. They do not absorb into the body. Like, please, please, please get real mineral. Like coconut water is pure electrolyte drinks, right? Like watch out for vitamin waters with electrolytes. Electrolyte is a 
I consider it a fake word, word, scam word. It's just, it's all it means is macro minerals. That's what electrolytes are. So anybody who's like, oh, look, we have electrolyte drinks. Oh my gosh, they're just doing it for marketing. You get more electrolytes in an apple than you would in that drink. So again, just think of electrolytes as macro minerals. And you just want to look for foods that are full of macro minerals, drinks that are full of macro minerals, teas have macro minerals, right? You can make blended juices, juices, those are all loaded with macro minerals. And so if you're looking for a water with macro minerals, make sure they're coming from food sources. And that's a major thing we didn't discuss today is there's food-based, whole food-based minerals and vitamins, and then there's synthetic. The synthetics aren't gonna do it. You can't absorb those into the bones and make healthy bones with some junky bone product. It has to be food. So look at the herbs, look at the companies that make whole food products. You're gonna get you know 80% more bang for your buck from that because you can only absorb so much of a rock um, you can't absorb all of it. So just putting it out there, just wanted to throw that out there, Amy, if that's okay. And you can jump in and, and mention whatever you want. No, that's awesome. So yes, I hope everyone learned a thing or two about their body's pH. Um, today, we, I think we covered a few different areas of pH on this call as normal. So yeah, that was a really fun overview of everything. So thank you everyone for joining us today and we wish the best to you and your health. So thank you for joining us yes. and we'll see you next week. Hey, thank you for joining us. I hope you had as much fun as we did. If you would ever like to connect with us in person or live online for webinars, course certifications, events, conferences, parties, go ahead and check out our upcoming event schedule at www.holistichealtheducators.com. We would love to connect with you. We also host weekly live question and answer sessions. Until then, have a spectacular day.